Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Self-love. Self-love. Today on Morning Drive Time Radio, we've got Nafisa Bakar and Sarah Armin joining us. I'd in be the such a boring today. radio host. I'd be like Chris Tarrant. <laughs> Did you know, guys, that in Guatemala, <laughs> Sarah would be a good Sunday afternoon chilling at home, culture, arts, you know, BBC man, soulful BBC Sunday. World. Sarah's would be soulful Sunday. Me, I'd get sacked after like a year because I said something. On second thoughts, I just don't think I'd be on any show. I'd love to do a radio show. Guys. I think you guys would be good. I think you'd be yeah, good. yeah, we would. Yeah, Shiloh would carry me. Assalamualaikum, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Welcome back to another episode of Two Cents. It goes like this. For anyone who hasn't listened to one of our Two Cents episodes before, it works like this. Each of us bring two subjects that we want to unpack and debate and hash out as being either overrated and two subjects that we want to debate as being underrated. And then we leave it for public scrutiny. So we're going to jump right into it. I think I'm going first, right? This week? You are. I just want to... So I hadn't actually read any of the reviews on... Apple iTunes mm-hmm. podcast app, which was so nice to come across. Um, so we've had 48 ratings. Thank you to everyone who takes their time out. Thank what you. does that even mean? So for people rate like five star, four star, three star. So we've got five out of five out here. That's effort. Um, we meant to now go, please rate us more. <laughs> yes, oh. please do that. <laughs> um, someone said, adore this podcast series. Navigating my teenage and early adult years with something like Amalia Voices would have been an absolute blessing. It's so necessary and so important to have these discussions and listen in. What's more, the chemistry and banter here provide lots of warmth and giggles. Thank you for the good work. Aww. And that was by Khadija Kat. Oh, wish, wish, wish. Okay, so I'm going to read that one now. Um, Amalia podcasts make me laugh, cry and feel every emotion on my way to and from work. Truly oh. wish this existed when I was little. I feel like that's a recurring theme. I yeah. can't lie. I wish I had this while I was at school as well. Shilo, do you want to read out the next one? Yeah, I want to be a BBC presenter. Here you go. <clears throat> I loved hearing about the story behind Mali and how you personify the business. Love the under-overrated lists. Feel like I got to know you guys more. Can't wait for more podcasts. And it's got loads of emojis in this one. Loads of hearts and celebrations. Oh, sweet. Thank you so much, guys, for all of your reviews. Um, I'd just like to add, I feel like the podcast damages my personal brand. <laughs> what? because this week I asked people what they want to hear on the Malia podcast. And one person said, more of Nafisa ruining things in life with her overrateds. And then someone else also was like, I love how on overrated you're just like, look guys, life's not that amazing. And um, that seems to be how people feel about me. I mean, you like the Simon Cowell of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) My trousers are quite... (laughs) Well, Cheryl Cole. Yeah, but then you can't be Louis though. 
I am Louis. <laughs> Let's not lie, like everyday sideman. I just wanted to say, like some of the things that we mentioned, these are reminders to ourselves. You know, we don't know everything. Anything good on the podcast is um, obviously from Allah and anything bad is from ourselves. Amen to that, sis. All right, so I'm going to get started with my first overrated. My first overrated this week is... It's a bit of a rant. Both of my overrated this week are a bit of a rant. Um, And I want to rant a little bit about the Moon Cup and just what we are doing to cope with our periods. So We watched the funniest comedy thing oh remember. my god that was the funniest it was like a bbc3 thing right me and go Selena watch were, it guys me and Sheila were dying in the office because this woman was trying out all the different types of what what, what are they called period uh plastic underwear. free pl- plastic free period products she was trying plastic free period products yeah but like what and you what's can just our... hear her in the toilet and there's audio of her saying i can't get it out <laughs> <laughs> it's literally like everything that we've been through <laughs> so um i I've just, I've hit a wall with the whole uh, period sanitary, like, yeah, like, I don't know what to call it, but I, I just, I keep hitting this wall again with, I've started swimming. I don't know how much of this is going to be so like TMI, but basically I know everybody's going to jump on the bandwagon listening to this and be like, yeah, moon cup is over because it really flipping hurts and it's not that practical. So you're saying moon cup is overrated? I think the moon cup is overrated, but I would like to issue a disclaimer because I do think the concept of it is really great and I think if it if you can get it working I know a lot of people can get it working yeah, I tried yesterday guys it wasn't happening that's what I, is this not TMI I don't know if it's TMI or not. I feel but, but maybe there's someone out there struggling with the moon cup do you know what like, right. maybe, maybe it's me. someone's right. gonna write an article and tell us you know the FAQs and where we're going wrong I've watched all the YouTube videos trust me really? <laughs> I've, I've had like literally all my I friends even squatted <laughs> all my friends use the moon cup I've had, do they yeah i've had all i've had full on instructional manuals maybe we everything just need to persist, Sarah. Uh, maybe it is but i just i think that's my over, that's my overrated it's just like why is it so hard yeah. just to cope with having my monthly like mm. and i'm not like uh, i just you know if you're not ready for this conversation turn off right now tune back in in about five minutes i I'm not like you. What? I'm not that heavy. Yeah. You don't all. have a wide set vagina. <laughs> what the? I believe we needed that a mean girls reference your in here. Period. I just with real guys. <laughs> Every time. Oh look, you know what? I just think that it's it's not that necessarily they're overrated. I I think I'm just frustrated with having to go to extra lengths I just get to. You. Yeah, and I think that. The moon cup should be a little easier than it is. I just can't believe we've got to twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. Yeah, but if it's too small, it'll get lost. But this is <coughs> this is this is the same. I feel like this. I I really Can understand. Can I just say I am crocheting while I'm doing the podcast? But the woman tried a crochet tampon. We saw she this. A crochet Wait, tampon. Now. That was that. What was going to include that later on? It was absolutely ridiculous. It was roll up, and then and it, it was had a wool this. string. Did it work? It was this rolled up. Like rough cotton yarn as well. Oh, I just oh, this is but this is what I mean. Why, why is there so you know you know contraception debate? Like, yeah, why and is there even such a lack? even um, smear test. Mm. Like, I'm sorry, but we're in 2019, and you're gonna tell me that the only way to get into my vagina to take some cells or whatever you're taking is to use a metal be- duck beak. <laughs> like, it's just it's ridiculous. It's disgusting. Honestly, and like, there was an article a few months ago about like maybe if we stop shaming women about going to their smear test and like guilting them into it mm. and actually if we look at how uncomfortable it is right. and how horrific that contraption is right. and why it hasn't it's been medieval. brought up. medieval. Guys, I've started using cloth, cloth pads. 
They are good, but I need them for one day because I only have one. I can't see. Spies, spies. Why we haven't got to 2020 and there hasn't been like a foolproof kind of solution, like something that everybody's completely happy with. This is just symptomatic of how no one structurally cares about women. Yep, correct. And that is exactly what I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) You talk about personal brand, but I'm just about to like create so many enemies. No, do it. I, God. Say it. I went to the Cambridge Mosque, Eco Mosque, and I wasn't impressed, and that's it. I just let me just. Is this your overrated? This is my overrated. Unfortunately, guys, I think the Cambridge, I think the Cambridge Eco Mosque is really overrated. You need to go in depth in your. I'm gonna go in depth. So I, (coughs) I'm gonna move like I'm some mosque expert here, but I've been, I've frequented a lot of mosques in my life. Mashallah, sister. (laughs) I think for so we did like a. If anyone has. been on the Amali Instagram or looked at the Amali.com um, and seen our articles on the Eco Mosque and our video on the Eco Mosque, you will have seen that it came at a great expense and a lot of years and a lot of manpower. A lot of uh, money. It was very, it's extremely, I, I don't want to word, I use the word extortionate because that puts it in a bad light right off the mm. bat. And I do, I do want to put a small disclaimer out there and is that I will not know everything that went into something like building um, the Cambridge Eco Mosque or any mosque for that factor. I know that there are so many hidden factors. I know that there are so many intentions at, at play. Mm. Um, so much hard work. Are you, what, are you talking yourself out of it now? No, I'm not talking myself out of it. I, I do. Th- I'm still allowed to look at it and think I think this is overrated mm. um, for what it is. Mm. Uh, and I think it le- segues onto this overarching point I have about mosques, mosque architecture, community spaces, everything mm. else. I was invested in watching this thing grow and waiting for it to open and when I went there I just wasn't I just wasn't that impressed and that could just be underwhelmed I was very underwhelmed because it's because of not because of the amount of hype that went into it because I don't think actually that there was a lot of hype somebody's also entitled to say that actually there's a lot more um in the roots of this than it looks and mm-hmm. you know I don't live in Cambridge I don't know like how well what's the population well... of Muslims in Cambridge oh it's a lot man how is it <laughs> just that it serves a lot of the uh, student population mm-hmm. uh, the Muslim student population because obviously Cambridge is a university town and they do have an active and historic Muslim community there so um, you know I don't know just how well it serves the community. Like, I would be no authority Yet. on that. Yeah. yeah. It's quite new, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite new. Mm. And also, like, you know, they've got... They need time and they need mm. community space in the building. I just think for what it is, I was a little bit like, mm, mm. okay then. I, like, just even speaking from an uh, architectural perspective, I just, like, as if I'm some authority. No, but you were into... What did you do at uni? I did mosque architecture. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that doesn't so make are, me... Like, I'm not going to say you are qualified, but you understand architecture from a different perspective than the layman. You have more appreciation. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Like, I'm really invested nice. in it. And yeah. I just, she I feel like it, guys. for a lot of the, for a lot of what, yeah, technically it's really like mm. amazing, okay. yeah. but I didn't feel invited to worship in that space. It just did not appeal to me. It just felt, it Why? felt very, it felt 
a little bit clinical. It felt a little less, like there was a, an absence of community there. Mm. Um, everything that I strive for when I go to the mosque, oh my God, people are really going to hate me. It's not like I'm turning it off. Like 100%, I'm sure that there have been days. I just Maybe I just went on the wrong day. Like, I think you're being harsh, Sarah. Well, on the Cambridge Do you know what? Mosque, yeah. Do you know what? Oh, no, I'm, no. I'm going to come through, yeah. I haven't really shared my experience of going to the Cambridge Mosque. Oh yeah. no, I know what she's going to say. My, my experience wasn't great. I, like, I think it's important to know all of these anecdotal experiences. A lot of people have a lot of really like poignant experiences in community and religious spaces. I think there's a higher opinion of it than I would give it at this time. And that's it. Like, mm. I don't think that's not to bash anybody who put work into it. That's not to bash the mosque itself. It is a beautiful mosque. Mm. It's just not, it's just not for me. I think it's overrated. Yeah. But maybe I'll change my mind later on. I think, sure. so, I think bear mosques are overrated. I think so many mosques are underrated. When you put, when choosing a mosque, yeah, to go to is like choosing Especially a if you are a mosque goer as well. Yeah. <laughs> mosque goer. Yeah, you have to kind of like really find out which one suits you and which one will facilitate worship and invite you to worship the most because yeah. it is a space and like we have it in our deen for a reason uh celine can i have your first overrated please right this is a really simple one i think what is overrated is the is a lot of people think ethical living is cheap Mm. basically you know a lot of people say oh it's cheaper if you buy your you know your angora wool coat now and then you won't have to spend for it spend you know money on another coat for fi 500 years and the thing is i think it's overrated because obviously over you know we've spoken a lot about like ethical fashion ethical living over the course of this podcast and i was speaking to a friend who lives quite an ethical life and i said to her like i was like you know it's expensive mm. like what you're suggesting to me I can't afford the startup costs. Mm. Like the, the startup cost for ethical living is expensive. Yeah. Mm. And I don't think that we, cause so I'm trying to say something I'm not getting out guys. Okay. So, um, the startup costs for ethical living are expensive. Like mm. when I've seen families who are living an ethical lifestyle, mm. they are, they are well to do. Do you ever reconcile with yourself the fact that you're just doing the best you can? with the like don't you feel like i do but there's so much information out there yeah. on how we should be drinking eating yeah. sleeping praying traveling whatever it is yeah. that sometimes you can feel like you are not doing enough and i know we've always said don't compare yourself yeah. but when it comes to the conversation around ethical yeah I just don't think we're really thinking about the fact that it does cost money i think um a sheikh asara uh, putting her two cents yeah. in here on a spiritual escape when you think about pursuing a lifestyle that is ethical if you do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and and being a steward of the earth mm -hmm. your intentions are in the right place to reconcile with yourself constantly about the capacity you do have because there you're right a hundred percent being having a totally ethical lifestyle mm. isn't something that you can easily transition into um especially and, and a lot of like low-income households really voice this and really struggle with this and it is mm. like a it's an issue but if you're doing it for the sake of Allah and you I have feel that often it's people who are in a place of uh, privilege yeah preaching to others who are saying no you can afford it you can do it you just need to realign your priorities like what I've always done as well like even just going off of the whole like sewing your own whatever mm. if you detach them from the message and look at the message and think um well like okay there is always constantly scope for me to mm. improve mm. and reassess my priorities mm. that is something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encourages me to do before anyone mm. then you are always on a path of 
an ethical lifestyle because you're doing what you can within your capacity and that's all that Allah's ever asked of you. I also think, um, I can't remember where I saw it, but there's like one of those infographics where they were talking about what people think ethical looks like and what it is. And mm. it was talking about all these products that people think they need to buy mm. versus like, like for example, um, they were talking about lunch boxes, mm. right? And they're how you know, have you seen those like hipster tin tin ones? Tin ones? Yeah. And then the <coughs> ones that they Sorry. had just the ones that they had in the like real life one was just like Tupperware, like an old Lurpak thing and blah blah blah. And they were basically showing an ethical life that didn't look Instagram worthy. Mm. And when I think about ethical life, I often try and reflect on um, family back home in India because actually if you look at a lot of their ways of living mm, they're ethical. living a very ethical yeah. uh, not multiple use mm. life mm. and it's not one that is about aesthetics it's just one about functionality right. the, there's I feel like there's different different like personas Degrees of ethical of lives ethical, yeah. of like the one that like perhaps I'm trying to aspire to something that's unattainable yeah like there's there's that Pinterest where perfect ethical life where you have like the right type of jars and the right type of Tupperware and the mm. right type of like, you know, things mm. to, to cover. Like for yeah. example, for me, I try not to buy cling film because Anissa told me that you can't recycle it. So yeah. it's really bad. So instead like there's, and there's all these like fancy stretchy plastic things that you can use to cover your things. That would make but your life easier, right? I just use a plate. I wanted to also read something that I screenshot it on Friday from an Instagram account called core health mm -hmm. uh, k-a-u-r health and she was talking about um how she i think she tried to go vegan and then she like started bringing animal products back into her diet mm -hmm. and she talks about a list of reasons why she does that so one of them is um about being vegan might be in step in the right direction but focus but Sometimes it's not healthy for your body. It might affect your periods or whatever. And mm. she was going through all these lists of things. And then the point that I found really interesting was she said, white veganism doesn't give people of color the space to care for themselves or deal with the hurdles we face in day-to-day -day life. For people of color dealing with racial violence systematically and interpersonally every day, veganism can emerge as the last thing on people's mind. Mm. Um, but in, in uh, she said, I'll do an in-depth video, but in short, being white means you have the privilege to put the needs of animals before your own. Mm -hmm. It was a really, um, she's a Punjabi woman and I thought it was really interesting um, because I, I've always like, I think we've all felt that sentiment yeah. at some yeah. point of where it feels like some movements are associated with privilege and whiteness, but mm -hmm. to hear it articulated was really interesting. I had um, someone, there was someone on some Facebook thread asking about holiday recommendations and uh, another sister who has the best of intentions, bless her. She was just like, you know, why don't you think of an ethical um, holiday, travel in the UK, you know, your carbon footprint will be increased, et cetera, et cetera. And I got really upset because I was like, but I need to visit my family back, you know, back home. So what do we do about my carbon footprint there? Do I stop visiting them because I need to be more ethical? Why are my family back there? You know, for it's easy for someone whose whole family are here to say, you know what, I'm not gonna fly anymore. But for me, you're essentially, you're telling me not to see my family. And then she explained later that she was just saying non-essential travel, mm. like, you not know, luxury, yeah, not luxury travel. But I was just thinking, you know, that wider conversation around what you just said, like, for some, they are in a place of privilege. But also, I, I think there's so much, like, honestly, like, I'm just quite frustrated because how much are we as individuals meant to do? 
Mm. Like there is so much onus put on us. Like someone posted again on Instagram saying, uh, in response to like this whole flying thing of saying, do you know what? I will fly and I will go on holidays and I will do all these things because um, it's just, she was like, I'm sick and tired of us being made to feel so guilty for every single thing we consume and do when actually there are these huge corporations that are doing jack crap, you know? And I just think that, there's many expectations and so much guilt and shaming mm. that's associated with our personal efforts that need to also be redirected to large companies. Exactly. You know what? I want to flip things a bit. Can I go to one of my underwriters? Because it's totally related. Um, one of my underrated is asking for things you know don't exist. So for a bit of context, I was thinking about the vegan movement. Mm. And I was just thinking like, now when you go into any coffee shop, there is alternative milks. When you are given menus, there's like a special vegan menu now, mm. you know, for most restaurants. Mm. And that didn't just come out of anywhere. Of course, there was probably trend reporting and whatever it is, but part of it as well were consumers coming and saying, what are your vegan options? Mm. Do you have non-dairy milk? And then slowly that audience began to be catered for. And I think sometimes what we do, we just give up Mm. from the onset. Like, well, we're not going to get it, so we're not going to ask for it. That's why I always ask for halal as well. Like, people with me would be like, it's definitely not halal. I was like, yeah, but if you ask, and if enough people ask, Mm. you might eventually get it. And if we keep knocking and asking. And I think sometimes that, you know, going off on a bit of a tangent, the impetus and the focus is on us, the consumer, constantly to recycle reuse to be ethical and we should Mm. we should strive for that regardless but i think we still need to keep on knocking on the doors of brands to be like what are you doing where are your non-plastic options where are the alternatives because i think some the focus has come off them and totally back on like when i look at um my bathroom the amount of like when you look at like shampoos lotions anything that is for your hair or skin or makeup so much plastic oh, yeah. so much plastic like the mm. amount of bottles that are needed and it's just like actually yeah we can talk about me cutting it down how about you bloody cut it out your supply chain oh like you know we were talking about periods for example i opened my um the cabinet for in the bathroom and i was just like there's so much guilt thrown upon a woman yeah. like i sat there and i just looked at my plastic pads and yes i have my cloth pads but sometimes when i'm caught short you know i do need to just pop around to the news agent or mm. if i'm at work or whatever it is and the price difference of the ethical pads versus the non-ethical pads is a jump yeah mm. and at that moment it's me you know trying to save the world trying to save my money not be and broke. also the time you're gonna have to wash it like i have one cloth pad and ethical pads aren't just available every, you're no. normal everywhere yeah do you think you know the the dude at the local news agent has it um, and i just think we are just carrying so much of the guilt yeah i just wanted to go back on my underrated so it's asking for things you don't know um exist or won't be offered and that also applies to the context of mosques um i think sometimes we we hear from other sisters oh no there's not a men's section there's not a woman's section in this mosque I think sometimes we hear from another sister, oh no, there isn't a men's section. So by default, we, know, we don't knock on that door anymore. Like we know. But I think sometimes we just need to actually just, as lip service, continue to ask. Um, because eventually, like, we would hope that they would listen. Like, 
if we just keep on asking. Mm. So I feel like we need, what I'm trying to say here is we need to apply the ethos of being vegan to other areas of my life. Because yeah. the vegan movement is strong because yeah. they just kept on asking. Yeah, you're right, so yeah. perhaps we have to just keep asking and may- maybe one day they will serve it. Yeah. Um, elephant in the room, yeah. but it's also about who was asking, white people were asking. Yeah. 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 Mm. Mm. Right, my first overrated is um, I don't know if it's a bit weak, but we're gonna go with it. Okay. Uh, meal times and set meal times. I was gonna go with food combining <laughs> with meal times. Go for food it. combining, such a good one, Sarah. I know, I know, um, idiot. I should have. So meal times. So the reason why is a few episodes ago I spoke about the body confidence movement and not feeling like it was inclusive enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I spoke about was the fact that I weigh myself every day. Right. Mm-hmm twice a day mm-hmm. and how like in the body confidence movement that's seen as like so Training. sinful yeah. um but also um i wanted to talk about how we are like so i feel like a lot of times our overrates are about unpicking a truth that we live by mm. yeah and really questioning why yeah. we follow that yeah. and i think meal times is definitely something but- this whole like we have breakfast, then we have lunch, then we have dinner, and yeah. also what sort of foods we have for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Yeah. I think we just really need to um, question it because, like, for example, there's a lot of times where I just won't have dinner, yeah. and it's based on me thinking, hmm, what have I eaten today? Hmm, is that sufficient? Actually, in listening terms to of, your body. Yeah, listening to my body, and then, and I, I think like a lot of us do overeat Mm. or we're eating a lot of the wrong stuff Mm. for our bodies that aren't um nutrition dense and are like just empty calories um and so for me also the whole like me weighing myself if i wake up and i'm a bit more heavier than usual then i just um think about what i'm gonna eat that day and i eat less or i eat i skip a meal time or whatever it is um and even like what we eat so for breakfast a lot of breakfast foods and just to add a disclaimer we are not medical um professionals these things work for us correct um even what a lot of what breakfast foods are they're very sugary they're normally white carbs which turn to sugar do you know what i heard the other day what that you know that sentence breakfast is the most important meal of the day it's yeah. a lie it was created by the advertising yeah yeah what of course all of, all, nutrition i was literally yeah. just so about to much say, of what we learn just like our day is like um our daylight working hours are yeah. governed by um like industrial, art- industrial and, yeah. yeah artificial light yeah. so is meal times like the whole breakfast is the most important meal of the day having eggs bacon it was created by a man called edward bernays who is mm. like the mastermind of marketing that's yes, where yes, yes. and um he did it i think it was because he either wanted to galvanize the dairy industry it was something like he just wanted yeah. to and yeah, so he just pitched all, it like it's else. just like a commercial game like uh, there's someone i know and for breakfast they actually eat like a piece of fish or a piece of chicken like steamed veg and they're like look i'm giving my body the nutrition it needs like my body is not going to be like oh this isn't breakfast food yeah. right. you know we've conditioned ourselves to, like I, th- I think you need to be a lot more in, in, in tune, tune with your body yeah. um and also like in the book that i always recommend um called the first bite how we learn to eat they talk about when you take young kids shopping with you like supermarket shopping often the first food choice they ever make is what cereal they're gonna get is it gonna be coke pots and nesquik Mm. and actually it's so sugar filled and a lot of kids foods are like 
fun foods rather than nutrition foods and they're talking about instead what we could be doing is taking them to the fruit aisle and saying what fruit do you want to pick and then that will create a positive thing with the fruit because they've picked it like even when you go to a restaurant this can sound really stupid and I hope it doesn't come across as patronising but you don't need to eat a main meal. Yeah. I think starters are better than main it. meals yeah. anyway because, so, um, you know, different flavour like profiles. Salad. <laughs> and then what was the other thing? Uh, char-grilled veg and... Yeah, we just had like a messy of starters. I feel yeah. like that over it developed. Quite it did, it did. Yeah. It did. I feel like mine are Congrats. Right. Right, um, Nav, can I have your second My second one... Um, I don't know what to call it overarchingly and it's a bit of old news but it's relevant and mm. it's going to continue being relevant. Yeah. Um, but we saw the new appointees to cabinet, mm. uh, Sajid Javid, Priti Patel and that crew. Um, and I can't remember who, but someone tweeted saying, oh, isn't... And, oh, and they were like, oh, Boris Johnson, the great-grandson of a Turkish guy... Um, his family timeline came out. Yeah, Sajid Javid, the son of Pakistani immigrants, and Pretty Patel, awesome. and they said, "Is this not the wokest cabinet we've ever had?" Oh right. And I, what I wanted to say is overrated, um, which loads of people have heard, have said, and it's not anything new. But is this whole like representation matters movement mm. because it it this 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 is is the like. The manifestation. The manifestation of that movement. Your yeah. tweet was really good. Do you what, remember what your tweet? What was it? What was it? Uh, this is when our benchmark is representation. I shall find it. Yeah. Can I just get my own source, me? Yeah. <laughs> um, I was really, really, really disappointed. Guided. Um, Guided. By some of the people, really prominent, yeah. who were like, yeah, but... Yay, this, this is great. Mehdi Hassan. Mehdi Hassan. You're lying. Mehdi Hassan tweeted and he said, I know I'm going to get absolutely ripped for this, but I still think yeah. that seeing brown people in ca- in the highest positions in the country yeah, is but a you know message. what? It, it tells us. What? It tells people who have any political aspiration and who are POC that for you to actually move forward, this is how you have to move. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the th- that's the this thing. Is the people, blueprint. people were saying you can't divorce their politics from who they are as right, people, right. and it's not enough to just say, "Oh yeah, look, wow." Wait, hold on, let me just find. Yeah, but Preeti Patel, minus her race, what she has done, yeah, treason essentially, yeah, and she's still being given a position. Like, forget even the representation and the race aspect. What about representation in terms of values? Yeah. So it's basic even Boris is just saying no matter what you do as an MP you are exempt. Yeah. And um yeah, and it's that whole thing of like what I tweeted was seeing Priti Patel and Sajid Javid in the cabinet is exactly why making seeing yourself the beginning and end of representation mm-hmm. is not enough. Mm-hmm. The most dangerous people of colour, those that are lauded for their other identity but really are just placeholders for reinforcing racism and islamophobia and i just think again like the critique that we and this is also kind of why i have stopped calling out panels who were like all male or all white because our critique just needs not that it's not important it's just i'm just tired and i'm bored like our critique needs to go higher than that if we're only ever collectively calling out Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yes, we've got all, all celebrating. Oh, yes, women of color on the front cover of a magazine. Yeah, well, what do they actually represent? Yeah, like what do they represent and how are we actually having actual change and i just think for a long time the representation conversation has started and ended with seeing yourself and i just Mm. think it's all a bit self-obsessed and this whole cabinet is a manifestation of why we need to push ourselves further and push the critique further of what we want from our representation right otherwise you'll have people who look like you but don't speak for you Okay, so my first underrated this week is um, a Muslim minority history. Um, So I recently went on a Muslim cemetery walk um, with Everyday Muslim Heritage. If you don't know them, they're an amazing initiative. Um, They track and document and celebrate the history of Muslims in Britain. They're just doing some really amazing things right now. And I was invited to go down to the Shah Jahan Mosque in Woking and start a trail with them that tracks the first... Muslim burial site in the UK and so I do want to go a little bit about that because it was a really amazing experience for someone like me who's just like a massive history buff and it's just really interesting and I actually really love cemeteries as well and I met um the amazing Zara from Sacred Footsteps if you haven't checked out her work please go and check out Sacred Footsteps you can find them on Instagram um they also run a podcast exactly yeah um which is also a really great listen and yeah we kind of bonded over like cemeteries um which was, you know, nice. uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was unusual. It, no, but can you give us? Can you tell yes. us a snippet of one yes. person? Um, yeah. Okay. So we saw um, the great Marmaduke Pictool or Pictool. Mm-hmm. They pronounce his name Pictool there. Oh, uh, he did was they? yeah. He was so the Pictool or Pictool. Oh, well, I'm gonna say Pictool. Yeah, me too. Um, Marmaduke was a Muhammad. Muhammad, but his name is Marmaduke. His name is Marmaduke. His name is Marmaduke. He was a British... Marmaduke. Yeah, yeah. Marmaduke. And he was the first... Marmaduke. <laughs> he was the first native um, English translator of the Quran. Mm. And uh, so that's like a big deal. Basically, every variation of the Quran that we have in English now is because of wow. him. SubhanAllah. Like, he just... Yeah. And I saw his burial site. What years are we talking? We're talking... Long time. <laughs> I don't have my map on me. Um, I, oh. can, I can look it up. Was it 1970? 1970. 18, 18, 18, that was 18. Something 17. It was, and there were like lords and ladies that were buried there that were Muslim. Well, the Shah Jahan was built in 1884. The burial site was built first and then the Shah Jahan Mosque was oh, built. Yeah, and it was built by this uh this same man. I name is, his name is Wilhelm. I'm going to I'm going to butcher and he's it. Muslim. And he was yeah, he was one of the first British Muslim uh converts mm. and um 
he anointed the burial site with a Kibla stone and basically the... What's Muslim, a Kibla stone? It was basically, I think it was just an orientation point. And yeah, the Muslim burial site in Woking expanded from there. It's in Brookwood Cemetery. It's the most beautiful place and ever. And you can do a walking tour, right? You can do a walking tour. It's like not that long, um, but can it's you like... you just a, go by yourself? You can go by yourself. Like I would happily go to Woking by myself. Like you can catch... By the way, guys, it's only 20 minutes outside of London, which I didn't think... Um, These lot thought they were going on a camping trip. I, honestly, I got there. I was like... In the, and it literally looks like you're on a main road and then it's just like one little sign and it says the mosque and then you go inside and it's just like this oasis it's a complete bubble um it's about a 10 minute drive from working mosque so a 20 minute walk yeah something like that. that and um it's really it's just really beautiful i had a really nice time but it just got me um thinking about muslim heritage and um i remember when i first started at amalia i was um writing articles about the history of muslims in countries around the world mm. and i came across this academic paper by this i just wanted to give it Those a articles shout out do that what you were looking at today. it was that i was trying to hide from you um his name is just one second i've i advise everybody to just <laughs> go and read this academic paper <laughs> you don't have to but it's really interesting i feel like after the, with the podcast we should link to academic paper link <laughs> to journal link to further article discuss <laughs> um, it was it's by m ali katani um and it's called muslim minorities in the world today and it was written in the 80s mm. um but it gives a really in-depth thorough overview of how muslims expanded um, across the world and some of the most like remote areas of the world where Muslim minority um, uh, communities settled quite early on like even places like Fiji has a really big Muslim mm. community that people don't know about yeah. um, but so yeah so first plug the Muslim cemetery walk guys go to working check out everydaymuslim.com and or heritage everyday Muslim heritage and find out what going with there check out sacred footsteps and also check out the academic paper and learn about Muslim history what I find because um, when I first when Sadia from everyday Muslim first told me about the cemetery and who was buried there mm. I just felt like this sense of pride mm. and also this sense she her whole thing about um, archiving our heritage and histories. Also, if we don't know where we come from, yeah. every generation is going to feel like they're starting from scratch. Sure. And, you know, we were talking about this whole, like, first Muslim, first hijabi right. syndrome that we have, yeah. in particular in this generation, yeah. that actually a lot of the time is because you're ignorant of your history. Right. And mm. for me, when she was telling me there's lords and ladies buried there and all these, like, incredible figures, yeah. I had this sense of, like, a lot of the times, especially in the UK, mm. Muslims are um, seen as synonymous with like working class right. and immigration right. and mm. immigrants and all of these things. And like we've never been here. We're yeah, just, and yeah. to have a different narrative of like actually mm. we weren't only here, but we were lords and ladies. Well, right. actually, they're in the bloodlines of. Yeah, I think that's quite comforting for a lot of um, English reverts as well. Actually, mm. yeah, like I yeah. went home and told my mum, and she was like, "Well." Was she? Yeah, no, she was like, it's a nice thing because it's yeah. it kind of shifts the narrative on that as well because yeah. you have this whole, like, with the we wave of Muslim migrants, there was also a wave of converts to Islam as well, yeah. the mm. native converts, but actually there were English converts that predate yeah that whole wave and um it roots them in something yeah. as well it's also it's there's a just, meccan princess buried there as well guys wow. that's a descendant of the prophet peace be upon him how mad is that and it just like to have such rich diversity in our history mm. is yeah. just so so beautiful yeah. and honestly it just speaks again to like how beautiful the deen is and how islam really has reached every corner of the earth yes the end um <laughs> On to my second underrated. Um, where is it? 
Oh yeah, DIY weddings. Um, I underrated. Actually, yeah, this is it's underrated, but it's also overrated. It's like it's. I'm just gonna put my two cents in it. Basically, I um, recently attended uh, the wedding of one of my bestest friends. Does your bestest friend listen to the podcast? She does indeed. Salambe, so. Salambe is my brook. <laughs> my so brook. Can we say her name? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. 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 <laughs> well, my brook too. You know who you are. <laughs> my brook, babe. Feel like we're in a radio show now. <laughs> so um, yeah, and I contributed uh, for the so first time. I got my that. event event planning hat back on after streets. Hmm? You, do you feel like Jello? Jello. Uh, at this one, more so because I was wearing a fabulous oh, dress. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I'm still missing the earpiece and all of these things. But uh, we'll do it at your wedding. Thank we'll you. give you earpieces off. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'll be like, guys, I can't see the cake. And we'll be like, guys, can someone just take the, the cake was the earpiece out? Two fifty four, and it's two fifty six. <laughs> it was um, it was really tough. I she'll have a laptop on her lap. <laughs> I've got the booking reference one sec. <laughs> I think um, I, I had my first glimpse into wedding planning, which, by the way, is something that my high school teacher told me I should always have gone into because I always had really amazing ideas and it's something I did on my work experience day. I still have my camera. <gasps> oh, yeah, what are you telling me? <laughs> um, but do you know what? It's, it's not that I even have a fascination with weddings themselves. I just really like the idea of makeshifting something. Don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that. It's not. It's. I just like the challenge I of doing something. I can give you many makeshift things to do at Mali's <laughs> Um, I like the Mali challenge. Mali party, anyone? So I did a DIY dress and I did uh, I did DIY decorations for all of it. And the event decorator came up to me and asked to buy them all off of us because he loved them so much. Is this you basically plugging your service? Um, <laughs> I won't be going into business <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> I won't be going into business anytime soon. But I did just think the experience of doing that itself is actually really underrated because mm. it means so much to everybody involved as mm. well. It's more of a like, when you plan a party, when you plan, um, when you do it out of love, it creates like this whole bonding experience. You're working together. Mm. It is hard work. Like, yeah. mm. um, and you do feel a huge sense of accomplishment because you're able to achieve what you want to on a budget. And yeah, it was really amazing. Um, I really, I really enjoyed like my I, stint. I think DIYing stuff, weddings and parties in general, is so underrated because yeah. as soon as you say wedding to anyone, the price of everything is so expensive. Yeah. Weddings are so expensive. So unnecessarily expensive. We, uh, for Naf's wedding, we did a few bits and bobs. Yeah, Naf, you've got an article online, don't you, about how yeah. to craft how to a wedding plan in 10 a wedding, days. 21 days. Yeah, 21, yeah. my bad, yeah. Um, was it was a similar, say, it was 21 days for thingy as well. You should create a, a photo, a, a portfolio, yeah. and just buy loads of stuff, yeah. arrange centerpieces, yeah. take pictures of all of them. <laughs> yeah. And then return all the things, obviously. When you do your business, yeah. you could create loads of different... When I do my business, yeah. it's in the Got works. speak these things into, into existence. Yeah, yeah, of course, she doesn't want it. <laughs> okay, if you don't want it, fine. <laughs> all right. Okay, my so first... So you need one over, one under. Yeah. yeah. So my first underrated... So I need to explain it, and then I'll I'll tell you why it's underrated. Mm -hmm. Okay, oh, you will you will understand why it's underrated. So we hear a lot about the whole once you master how to say no in your life, you'll know your life will change. <laughs> have we not all heard that? We have. What was it? The voice. Sleeves and say say yes more. <laughs> no. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. So um, and personally, I've thought there's something off balance. Not wrong. I agree with the advice, but there's something off balance in the advice. And it wasn't until the other day I heard this TED talk and she just hit the nail on the head for me. 
And she just learned to, she said, just, you need to learn to say yes and no. I was literally five minutes in the talk and I just paused. I'm like, yes, that's what, what felt off balance. Cause we're constantly hearing one, one um, side no. of the advice, like learn to say no, learn to say no, yeah. learn. What if you've asked to, how to say no? And, and yes no shuts a lot of things down yeah. and it kind of, you're, you're taking life head on in a bit of a negative, not a negative way, but everything is how you see it. yeah it depends how you see it but she was literally saying learn to say yes and no mm-hmm. and i think the possibility of saying yes and no is a lot more exciting yeah. it's like how many opportunities can you start accepting yeah. how many adventures can you start saying yes to you yeah um and i hear this a lot or in even, parenting gone even thinking about your personal growth as like Am I saying yes or no more often? Yeah, and boundaries aren't always just about no's. Yeah, boundaries not. is about yes as well. Yeah, like we often it constantly it's reinforced to us to set boundaries. You must learn to say no. Yeah. What about if you are actually the type of person where your boundary you need to say yes is more? Yeah. So and it was relationship just relationship building. Relationship building exactly, exactly. And sometimes we can sit in a safe space mm. without saying yeses. Yeah. And yeses take a lot of courage sometimes. Mm. Um, and in terms of parenting advice, we're often advised, or the type of parenting advice that I seek, they say things like, try and say yes for a whole day. Mm. So your child might ask you something like, can I have 10 sweets after dinner? I'm like, yes, you can have sweets after dinner, but can it be two sweets? Mm-hmm. Or whatever it is. Mm. I'm not saying no. The onset of it will be like, no, you can't have, you mm. can't have 10 sweets. But again, it's about perspective and how you ch- see things. So I wanted to say, saying yes and no is underrated and yeah just to embrace both of them and to learn to accept both of them into your life i'm not gonna lie i thought it was gonna be weak but i like it it's, it's a good one no <laughs> I, thought, I think it's quite a good one because sometimes you're yes also you're, you're not taught to say yes like you're not you're not like we're not brought up of like what is saying this can sound so woo and abstract but you're not taught of like what does it mean to say yes and what does it mean to say no exactly and so you either grow up being yes man yeah. right. or you grow up no 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 and like yeah, yeah. i'm reclaiming my time yeah. and, and everyone's you know celebrating yeah i can say no so well yeah. I'm like that's good for reclaim you. your time <laughs> let's try and say yes as well I'm just gonna say it and you guys can add to it okay okay so I saw this quote the other day and it said, walk away from things that don't serve you. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, I don't know if people have seen that quote before, mm. that tweet, whatever it is. And the, this particular post went on to say, the current trend in society is to tell us to work, walk away from things that don't serve us. Yeah. But, oh, I know what it was. It was a post about, oh, sis, don't be walking away from things all the time because you're going to stay lonely right. your entire life, right? Right. And I think sometimes we have this um, advice that we're given, like walk away from bad relationships, walk away from family members that don't understand your boundaries, walk away from uh, F-boys, da, 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 the rest of it. Definitely walk away from Yeah, F-boys. I definitely walk away from F-boys, ladies. So Shay, who's on Instagram, she posted something that related to this and she was like, sometimes it's not just about walking away because that person deserves an explanation as well Mm. so they don't continue the behavior and i'm not saying it's our responsibility to walk away and call everybody out because perhaps walking away in itself is like the biggest step you can take but especially when it comes to family members and things like that like actually you need to point out their behavior Mm. or the reason why or they'll be left with people just walking away from them Mm. and they're left with the issue and i know perhaps it's not our business to care about that person but that's not how i operate Mm. 
me personally, I actually let me explain to you why I'm walking away from you because you keep on talking to me in a certain way. So therefore, I'm gonna have to distance myself from you. That person then has an option to either work on their behavior or ignore everything that you've said. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like you close the chapter mm. fully because mm. sometimes I think when you just walk away from things... And there might also have been assumptions at play. In what sense? That you aren't able to communicate about if you don't... Yeah, and I think the important lesson there as well is you learn to communicate mm. exactly what is bothering you because mm. sometimes it might be... And I'm not going to... I don't want to say it's easy to walk away because for some of us, just walking away in itself takes a lot of strength. Mm. But sometimes some of these mantras that put out into the world we need to question them a little um and there's a lot of this like i wanted to go into like this whole mantra of being really icy and like you know i'm cold and like it's like it's fashionable almost to be that personal person side note but i find it quite interesting how everyone in instagram is always always talking about toxic this and toxic that have you ever thought maybe you're the toxic person oh that was uh, that was a because it jars me especially i'm gonna say it mm-hmm. but south asian kids talking about how toxic their parents are meanwhile we all know you're sitting there rent-free eating biryani and loving it right and i'm not saying that you don't have issues but honestly i it's just a bit insufferable at some points <laughs> right so, <coughs> listen i want chicken wings i'm hungry i'm, I'm done i've got two and i'm, and I'm done my first underrated, um, I actually put like something out on my stories and oh my God, so many people had an opinion. Mm. Like, Influencer. I've, <laughs> I've never seen so many people engage yeah. with something I've put out, but it makes sense why, because it's like a universal experience, especially amongst women. Mm. Um, so I put out a story, which was just like a little, did they say muse? Muse? It was just like a little <laughs> reflection about... <laughs> Is a bit of a like art I'm just going to quickly go into my archive. So I said, here I am, bringing you and Sarah to constantly make content. So one of the things I put out is I said I remember seeing a group of women a couple of weeks ago. None of them had makeup on. They but they all had this sense of confidence about them, but they weren't conventionally pretty. And part of it made me think twice about myself and how I perform quote unquote pretty through makeup winged mm. eyeliner clothes hair especially like if you're like going to an event you know what that you're you gonna look, look like yeah i wouldn't go to a fancy dinner for example without some element of those components mm. um and recently i've been questioning it more like that behavior um and i think if we all walked around without makeup we would see ourselves as prettier but then I also thought, who cares? What does it matter to others if I'm not pretty? And But then it also made me think about pretty privilege and how actually there are certain meetings that I'm like, I can't not walk into there not looking good. And when I'm talking about looking good, actually, when I think about it, I'm talking about looking pretty, right? Um, and oh my God, I had so many messages from people from, and it makes so much sense because it's a universal thing of at some point in your life, mm. you've probably questioned, am I pretty? Mm. Or do I look pretty? Or someone's yes, commented, <laughs> someone's <laughs> commented about yourself. And I, I remember a long, long time ago, I can't remember who it was. I do remember who it was. <laughs> <laughs> who was it? Actually, do I feel pretty? Or do I just know how to look pretty really right. well? Like right. I know how to do my hair and I know how to do my makeup and I know. Well done. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> the way she said it. <laughs> and you know, this I forgot to DM you on that one. This <laughs> this idea of like I know as a woman, I know how to perform looking pretty. Mm. And that doesn't always mean that you feel <coughs> it. Like you, we all might have those days where um, you put all the makeup on in the world and you put on your best outfit, but you just don't feel it, mm. right? You just look in the mirror and you're like, ugh, mm. I do not feel what I'm trying to portray. Right. just bad lighting, but yeah. But you walk out into the world and someone will see you as pretty even though you don't feel it. Right. Um, and so my underrated was how much pressure we, as women in particular, have to look pretty. Mm. Um, from such a young age. Yeah, from yeah. such a young age. And even that whole, like, girls are complimented about, oh, you look so pretty, versus boys are like, oh, you're so smart. And just seeing those group you're of women. Brave, aren't you? Yeah. I say that because I've got kids and everyone will be like, oh, you're so pretty to Aisha. And when she was little, she'd get a lot of attention. Yeah. And I almost tried to muffle the person. <laughs> no, because it would be literally, we'd go up the road, she's like, oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. She's so pretty, she's yeah. so beautiful. And I think it's fine to be complimented. Yeah. But it was but if that's the only thing they're ever yeah, hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even like, I remember I was um, doing like this pitch for Amalia and it was like, a, all of them were men and I was the only woman. And then when the host introduced me, he said, oh, next we have the beautiful Nafisa. Oh, I and Selena that. was in the audience and she went, and intelligent and smart <laughs> and da da da. And it was this idea oh, that like, it was like a laugh. He would have never said, oh, we have the handsome blah, blah, you blah. You know what it is? Because it would sit with me. Yeah. I was like, why does she, what, did you just call her because she's pretty? Yeah. And but she also, has all these other qualities. Yeah. It, ma- it made me really think that, like, how much of what we put out into the world is like our individual, individual visual as- and aesthetic is us um, succumbing to the pressure of feeling like we need to look pretty and this aesthetic versus who we actually, how we actually want to move in the world. Mm. And that's my underrated. The Islamic calendar. No, we're doing this. <laughs> I should not. <laughs> no, but I... What were you going to say? Okay, go run with this. Like, let her okay. let her run. So my underrated, yeah. given that it is Dulhija. Oh, Dulhija. <laughs> Guys, I'm being mocked for my Muslimic identity I'm not, I'm right not, now. I'm not, go on. They're laughing at my underrated. Um, so given that it's Dulhija, and given that every single year... I'm putting myself out. <laughs> oh my God, give me a chance. No, sure. I'm putting myself out there, guys. Being very real about my state of knowledge. Every mm. single year during Dorhija, I find myself in a scramble to try and understand what Dorhija is mm. and why we should be observing it and what, what, like, why is everyone getting excited? I'm just being really honest, yeah? yeah. Um, and um, and also Eid Mubarak is going to be tomorrow if this is coming out on Saturday. Saturday. How's it tomorrow? Oh, is this it's coming day Sat- one. Oh, no, baby, it's coming what? out. This is coming out on Saturday, and Eid is tomorrow. Oh, Sunday. Right, right, right. So, um, but is this the three day Eid? All Eids are three days. No, no, no. This, this, no. <laughs> No, this See, one. we just know jack shit. So then I looked at uh, Imam Omar Suleiman, who's doing a short little reminder series on Yakin Institute. You gotta love him. Um, about Dorhija and the virtues, and he was talking about how Dorhija brings together all the five pillars of Islam, um, <clears throat> and that it's a very as as um, t- the ten days. It's a very sacred to us and very important. Um, and then it got me onto this like little rabbit hole about how actually 
the Islamic calendar is so underrated as a tool for spiritual growth and personal growth. Oh, you 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 spun this. I'm proud. <laughs> you got me. You got my head no, laughing. I'm still waiting. Um, and I was just thinking, actually, like for example, this is the last month in the Islamic calendar, and then we go into Muharram. Yeah. And every single what, January. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, guys. You know what I mean? Like the January of the Islamic month is after this. Why are you laughing? Um, yes, the January of the Islamic month is after this Zulhijjah month. What is it called? Muharram. Muharram. And in Muharram falls the day of Ashura, which is the 10th day, which is important to Sunnis and Shias. Look at us, um, history lessons all out here. And it's a it's the first month and it's a month of renewal. And I was Should just thinking... the history podcast? I was just thinking... <laughs> chicken wings, shut up. <laughs> I was just thinking that with the Islamic calendar, like every month gives you a theme and every month gives you something to work on. And we just, we, for me personally, like I lack so much knowledge that stops me from being in tune with Islam and actually living my best life. Yeah. Like so, so much of our conversations about living our best life is having glowing skin and having nice eyebrows mm. and oiling our yeah, hair and using like coconut so oil. self-development in tune with the Islamic calendar. To be honest, I start my new year. I think I've done this on a podcast like five months earlier. Yeah. Just think about like a lot of us will know about Ramadan and a lot of us will know what we're meant to be doing in Ramadan. Actually, every mm. month in our calendar, Islamic calendar is framed around that mm. sort of development. Yeah. And so if you think about how much you gain because you fully understand the month yeah. of Ramadan, mm. yeah. just imagine how much you could gain exactly. in the other months of you the You know year. what, it's put Aww. into perspective as well. Like mm. we often hear, you know, I'm sure everyone's heard this fact and if you haven't, here's a new fact for you. But the Sahaba used to prepare for Ramadan six months in advance. Mm. But essentially, if you're following the Islamic calendar, mm. perhaps that naturally will make you prepare. Yeah, because of what you're yeah. doing. So maybe, do you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, and I was also thinking about how, like, a lot of the times we, like, again, with that whole, like, living your best life, just thinking about it in terms of this world. Like, one of the things that stuck with me that Sheikh said a, a while ago was that, we need to not forget that our souls exist in another world first and foremost and then come into this world. But often we see it as like we exist in this world first and foremost and then every now and then dip into a bit of Islam and all of that. But actually (laughs) if we we start with the calendar and centering ourselves on what it means to... um, Maybe be Islamically minded. Yeah. I'm not quite sure no, what the no, right word is. No, no, you know the other is. day I was sitting with a mum and she's homeschooling her daughter, so she's giving me homeschooling advice and she brought out a scrapbook. Mm. And she's like, this scrapbook, scrapbook represents all the months of the year. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. So autumn, winter, did the seasons as well. She's like, no, Islamic months. Yeah. So yeah. she goes through every single month with her daughter. So the theme for obviously this month is obvious. Um, so her daughter understands the world in the context of the Islamic months. So yeah. I just got the kids a scrapbook mm. and I thought, instead of going, I, I thought, you know what, I'll start with Hajj. Mm. It's just quite a strong month to start with. Yeah. And then we're going to go through like every month basically. And mm. like you said, there's different lessons, different reasons yeah. for them. Um, A bit of a call out, but if anyone is like quite well versed in understanding the Islamic calendar and how we can apply that to our lives and like what reflections we can take, please do get in touch at contribute at amalia.com 
where we would love to do like a series maybe even at the start of each month we put out like what the reflect what the theme of the month is so people can sort of put it into their lives um and also i just wanted to add on top of that it just made me think about how there are so many other frameworks within islam and even like our sunnas and our traditions that are just so rich and there is so much in there that is actually created around living your best life that we ignore yeah and it's all all a lot of religion is about self-development like and part of what made me think of it as well is i went to a meeting a few months a few weeks ago and um this woman was taught she works in advertising and she was talking about how you know the world sometimes feels so dark and polar and i was telling her how when i feel like um what's the word when you're like oh when i feel apathetic about the the current situation in the world and things like that i remember as she wasn't muslim and i said i remember something in our religion i was and i was telling her about the hadith of like if you (laughs) always if you hate something hate it with um your heart then your tongue then your hands and to hate it with your heart is the weakest of faith but it's still an action and so at the very minimum if we're seeing something in the world that's not great at least like have the empathy to hate it yeah she turned around and she was like, that's so interesting. A few months ago, we did a piece of work to understand how to be a better ally. And the first step was to have empathy and hate it and, you know, um, feel something from your heart. Mm. The second step was to um, speak out. And then the third step was to do something. And so much of this self-care revolution, so much of personal growth, so much of even millionaire... I mean mindfulness mindfulness so much of millionaire mindset vibes all of this even so much around food and well-being and nutrition is grounded fasting. yeah is yeah. is grounded in our history and i feel like a lot of it is we don't a have the knowledge but then b also have the confidence right it's confidence yeah like yeah. the amount of muslims who are like have you heard about intermittent fasting i might try it well maybe if you look into your sunnah and your the own like our own history of fasting and our own knowledge like so much so so often we're waiting for it to be made cool or to be made mainstream when actually there's so much knowledge validation yeah validation the same thing happened with cupping cupping is something that's well documented in the history but then when the 2012 olympics happened and all the swimmers had cupping marks on their back everyone's like this was an islam first (laughs) and it's like yeah you want to talk about islam and you want to talk about it being in our deen (coughs) when there's no z in it (laughs) you want to talk about it being in our deen when it's validated Right. by a lot of the times mainstream but actually how about we go and find it ourselves and live it for ourselves first and Islam foremost Islam has all the answers it really does education right, right that's me done right thank you very much for your two cents I'm glad I didn't week. do my naked one thanks to everyone listening stay tuned for the credits and we'll see you in the next one thank you bye hey everyone Lakshmi here recording from London thank you for listening to this week's episode of two cents on the Amalia podcast We'd love to get your feedback and hear about what you really took away or liked from this episode. If you want to get in touch or read out next episode's credits, hit us up at contribute at amalia.com. You can also find us on Instagram at amalia underscore com and on Twitter at amalia underscore tweets. This episode was hosted and produced by Sarah Amin and sound designed by Mario Said. Like, share and subscribe and we'll see you on the next one. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.